Grow Great is a city government leadership podcast with Lisa Norris and me, Randy Cantrell. Each week we share insights, experiences, and wisdom to help you and your leadership grow great. Our website is growgreat.com. We've been avoiding this conversation for weeks. We've just... (laughs) We have yeah, not wanted. We have. <laughs> we have not wanted to have this conversation. No, that is the subject today. We have we've hinted at this in some previous episodes about how common it is for leaders and managers to really avoid the difficult conversation. And usually, these are things that, in our heads at least, we we may be fearful that these will be contentious. It may be some performance, some behavior that we really need to confront. We really need to have a conversation. It could be any number of scenarios where a leader, a manager, a supervisor, you just, you need to have what, at least in your head, because you're the one initiating this, is a difficult conversation. So kick us off. Where are we going to start with this? Well, I think that the most important thing is how do we get to these, like you said, when at the point you know you need to talk to somebody, it could be a really hard conversation. It could be um, it could be you need to you need to coach them on something that's difficult, not necessarily always the positive stuff. Hey, or the raw raws aren't the hard ones. It's it's sitting down for me. It's sitting down with somebody and saying either I'm helping them, like from an HR perspective, because that's my business. I'm helping another leader. How do I have that conversation, or one of my leaders or me need to have it ourselves, right? Um, and so the biggest challenge is they'll talk about they'll talk about the issues, what's going on, uh, either the employee's not performing, they've had a hiccup, they've uh, they really need to fix a behavioral issue, an attitude issue, whatever it is, and then talking through it because you, typically the managers don't come to us until they're overly frustrated. They're trying to handle it themselves. But when you actually ask them, what have you done? Tell me, walk me through what you've done so far. And it's, I don't know about you, Randy, you're a CEO. I'm not, you know, I'm kind of a CEO over HR, right? But not over a whole company. And when I ask him, what have you done? The the most common answer is, well, you know, I've kind of, we've just kind of helped them along and they've been trained on this or that, or it's never really, a, I need you to stop doing this. It's kind of a, I call it the beat around the bush syndrome. Mm-hmm. They kind of have hinted to it, but they really haven't addressed it. it. And in writing, it's even worse. When you ask them for what they've done in writing, typically writing documents are only disciplinary. They're very factual, what, what you violated, et cetera. So I think the crucial conversations, trying to get them, trying to have the conversation of what's going on, versus them actually doing it, following your conversation with them is the challenging part that I see. I don't know about you. Now in your organization, and this may or may not be congruent with all municipalities, at what point does the conversation become formalized? And, and what I'm, what I'm really asking is, the latitude that a leader has, the latitude that a supervisor or manager has before we get to the point where, okay, now we, we really should, or we must formalize it. What does that look like? 
Well, for us, we try to, um, we, you know, I think that a route for us is we got rid of performance reviews many, many years ago, back in 2016. So our goal at that time was we wanted, we expected, we try to hire really well and we try to hire great leaders. So our goal was leaders need to lead. They need to have these conversations routinely. And if they're doing a good job on that, it should be a continual feedback whether it's positive, whether it's reward, or whether it's uh, improvement, they should be having these all the time um, with their people to get them where they wanna go, right? Mm -hmm. uh, if you're doing that well, you the issues would be minimized, they don't go away. But to formalize it is when it's the behavior you've tried to coach and teach and it continues to worsen or is consistently the same without improvement. One of those two. At that point, we typically tell them if the conversations aren't working and you've tried to instruct them what you need and they're not doing it, at that point, we need to start putting it on paper through the formal, our formal process, like most cities probably have a formal process. Right. Ours goes to an oral reminder where you just have the conversation, tell them what you need, you follow it up in writing. They sign it to say, yes, we had this conversation and I'm clear. And I would say probably 80% of the people improve from there. Once they see it in writing, that stays with the department. It doesn't come to HR. So it's kind of a safe place uh -huh. to correct behavior. If they continue beyond that, then we have formal levels of discipline from written uh, reminders is what we call them up to uh, performance improvement plans. We have a decision-making right. leave that escalate, right? But that's only if they are not, you've tried to do several informal coaching and mentoring and things like that. And they're not improving where they need to be. Now, in your experience, before we get to that point, because the, the topic is difficult conversations and some people call these crucial conversations, which may be even a better moniker for it. So prior to the formalization in your experience, the leader's capacity or incapacity to have a clear enough conversation that led up to the formal, the formalization of it all. I mean, describe that. Do you, do you think, do you think most I think leaders, there's a gap? I think okay. there's a gap. I don't know if those, uh, not that they don't want to, I think our leaders have absolutely good hearts. Um, I appreciate all of our leaders in our organization. I think it's just the difficulty of it. And the, I think the most common, and I'd be interested, you know, as our listeners are listening to this, I think the most common thing is people, when it comes down to having a really hard conversation, it's most often avoided because they hope the behavior will just go away. And this, I call it a hiccup. They're hoping this is just, okay, they used bad judgment, but they, they're good people. They're, they're, they, I, I, this is what I commonly hear when they're here they are really good workers, you know, and, and that's great. But what about when they're not here? What is the impact to your organization? And just tell them uh -huh. this is the impact you're having, you know, cause it might be an attendance issue in this case, just tell them, Hey, I know you have a lot of issues at, at home with the kids. Cause that could be legitimately, you right. know, we've talked about my issues. I had a mother that was sick. I was sick. Don was sick. His father was sick. We were trying to balance all these issues imploding kind of at the same time in our family. And I was stretched as far as I could stretch. 
but there's accountability to your work just like there is to your family and it's a balancing act all the time to make sure you're doing what you need to by your employer and doing what you need to by your family and that hopefully you have an employer like we are here that understands those but still expects accountability regardless for both they yeah. value both of those and so i think most people as leaders just they try to give grace but the grace is given too frequently and too continually where the person is not coached to the point to correct it and then the leader gets to a point of frustration and immediately goes from i call it you know zero to 60. i mean they're it's either we need just need to terminate them this isn't worth it and i'm like right. okay well hold on walk me backwards through what have we done so far and it's usually just natural frustration they aren't they don't have bad hearts they they're just frustrated and want to get them out rather than dealing with it sometimes and i think that's pretty common um and i think we've all been there you could probably name some in your career where you did the same thing i know i i coached this and teach this yeah. i've done the same thing of course you know there's moments you just are like okay i thought they were going to prove and here they did it five more times and then i go but did I talk to them those five times? <laughs> you know, and right. you catch yourself sometimes, right? Yeah. All with good, you know, good intentions, right? We always hear that. So that for well, me is it's avoidance. It's avoidance at best, trying to get to that critical point. Um, and really, can you correct the behavior? That's where it starts. Can we correct it? And when should we have corrected it? Well, and I think if we if we get to the avoidance part, because I, for me, in my experience, that's that's critical to the whole thing. That's right. It's, it's the procrastination. It's the talking yourself out of it. It's looking for any glimmer. Excuse. Yeah, any <laughs> glimmer of hope that I don't need to talk to them, that maybe I'm, I, don't, I shouldn't talk to them about this. And at the root of it, and people may not agree with this, but at the root of it, it's just colossal selfishness on the part of the leader, in my well, opinion. I equate this to, I don't know any of you out there, I equate this to cleaning the house. I don't know about you, but I can find a million reasons when I'm supposed to be cleaning mm -hmm. that I have something else far more important, such as a Lifetime movie that is just on that one hour, or <laughs> yeah. I need to call my kids, or maybe my mom needs me to bring her something, right. <laughs> you know? Right. But it's just, you find something else you'd much rather be doing yeah, it's happy that. hour at Sonic, and I need yeah. <laughs> yeah, I got to go right now between two and four. <laughs> right. So I think, I don't think this is something we need to ding each other or ding ourselves on, but we definitely need, this is all about the benefit and the, you've got, you're, you know, serving. We've talked about leadership. This goes back to our basic principle of doing for others what they cannot do for themselves. And you have got to correct the behaviors as best you can and assuming we've talked about willingness that they're willing you can have a person that absolutely doesn't feel they're doing anything wrong and you can talk yourself blue in the face and mm -hmm. it's not going to make a difference but you need to go through it so that you set the you set the record and you've got the progression for when you do work with your hr team you have done everything in your power to help them succeed and at some point they have to choose it that's right whoever you're serving if they don't choose it then no fault of yours, right? So um, that's what I, you know, that's what I'd probably focus on first. In my experience, the crucial conversation 
is for too many leaders, a lost opportunity. We've talked a lot about trust and the whole connection and relationship building and engagement and whatever other buzzwords that you want to, that you and your organization want to lean into. But the crucial conversation is a real opportunity for leaders that is, in my opinion, too often squandered because they avoid it. And it's a real chance to really amplify the whole trust factor. It's, it, it is your opportunity to really display and demonstrate to this person how much you care and how vested you are in their success. And well, I think, yeah, I think, you know, the importance of that is what you said is vested in them. You have to do the conversation well and right. And well, and, and I think that's, I think the avoidance thing is we're thinking about us. We're thinking about it's, this is, I don't want to do this. This is painful. They could, they could react in any number of ways. And in our head, we can imagine, we can imagine everything horrible. And so maybe, maybe it's pessimism as opposed to optimism. I learned as a young guy working retail as a teenager that the customer complaint was that that was my path forward. I made more money as a commission teenage hi-fi salesman because the lady that walked in the door with a turntable in her hand and everybody else scattered like roaches when the light got turned on. <laughs> You know, nobody wanted to, it's like, oh, we're, I'm, I'm out. Nobody wanted to deal with this. And for some idiotic reason, I was the guy who ran to the door and got it out of her hand and helped her carry it. That sparked a conversation. And I learned very quickly, you know, if I can solve her problem, she's not buying anything from any of these other guys who ran. That's right. She's remembering me. I'm the guy who helped, every time. I'm the guy who helped her. I yeah. can't tell you how much money I made as a high five salesman because of that. And I got known for that in various places that I worked just as a kid. Yeah. Because and maybe that cemented it for me as I got some positions of authority and leadership, formalized uh positions. It's an opportunity. It's a real opportunity to help somebody solve a problem that they may or may not even know they've got. And in well, many cases, who cares, but it's up to you to bring it to their attention and not to just bring it to their attention. I think another part of the conversation that's worth having at some point before we end this, this show is what, what is that conversation? If that conversation is just merely pointing it out and not providing a solution, that's a failure in my right. opinion. You, all, right. if, if all you've done is, hey, you're doing this, stop it. Right. Okay, well, that, no. that's, that's empty. That's, that's punitive is what I call it. You want yeah. to, there's a big difference to me between punitive and corrective two totally different things in my opinion and the conversation any crucial conversation okay, well, quantify quantify those for us so i for I me i agree with you for me punitive is strictly what you said punitive is you did that stop doing that and then you give them a write-up or a criticism or if you do that again we're going to go you know you're going to be termin it's going to be a terminating offense you can do that but what have you just done you have lost them you haven't given them. them any 
glimpse that they can be successful in your organization and they should start looking for something else. That's what you've told them. Corrective is expressing the value on the team. I want this because it will make you better and our team better. I want you to recognize it because I trust that you can be successful here. It's, it's really focusing on them and not you. What can they gain and value out of this so that they can become better and move forward? Now, that doesn't mean it can't still be, hey, you really, we really need you to work on this, but you should tell them the why. This is why I need you working on this. I need it for you. This, this aligns with your goals, whatever it is. You want to move up. We can't move up until we get this corrected um, and you do a, you know, you're, you're doing better. I want to work with you on this. Uh, what do you see in it? What do you think it will help you with? It's just a kind of a dialogue that just, it's corrective. I don't know how else, I don't know how else to say it. It's not well, it's a, a you violated a, this policy. It's this is for your benefit. I want you to be successful in your career. Well, it's us. a it's a why and it's a huge in my opinion and my experience. It's a huge focus on how. That's right. I mean if 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 those of us that are parents and you think about raising our kids and it doesn't matter where you're at in the timeline of life if you're doing that currently, those of us who you know who have done it and now our kids are grown Number one, you're doing it because you care about them. You're doing it because you love them. I don't think the L word should be exempt from the workplace either. Right. There's different kinds of love. I think for a leader to love his or her people, that you should. You absolutely should. You should lean hard into into loving your your people as as people, as individual contributors and, and as a team. And so you, you want their best. And I would remind everybody, even if you didn't hire them, somebody else did. Somebody saw something in these people that was hireable. Right. Else, else you wouldn't have hired them. So nobody goes, and well, I'm going to hire this person. Well, why are you going to hire them? Because I think they're just a colossal loser, and they're going to cause me a whole bunch of problems. Nobody does that. So these are people that there was something of value that somebody saw, maybe you, if you hired them. So there's there's also that. Well, you know, and the interesting thing in a crucial conversation, you you referenced it earlier. There's there's got to be there's a couple things that the listeners I think need to understand. It's got to be a safe place. Obviously, it needs to be corrective, right? We need to we need to tell them what they did. But um, as you know, I was kind of looking for like tips and things just to guide our thought. And I, I came across one that I thought was great. And it talked about leading with the facts. And there's another one that talked about observations. Lead with observations. Don't say, stop doing this. Just say, hey, I've noticed. I've noticed you doing these things. And here's why I think, let's, let's change that. Let's change focus. And instead, let's focus on or work on these things. But let me tell you why we need to work on those things and how it can help you in your career path. And this all goes back to knowing your people. We've talked about that. We've done an episode on that before. But you've got to know your people because you can tie it to what they value. And then they can usually see, well, that's right. I do want to, I do want to get to the next position. And if this is something that I need to work on, I want to work on it. But it's all, all in how it comes across. 
So I think when you when you focus on those things and you have dialogue, it's not just directed on fix this and here's what I think. Get them to engage with you on what do they think. Here's where I want you to go. How can how do you think you could accomplish that and do better in that area? What might you work on? You know, um, and often, Randy, I found the leaders have believed something to be fact. And if you talk with them, you can often find that was only your impression. You In one of the episodes we did on the leadership recipe, we talked about if you ever assumed something and got it wrong. That's why these engaging conversations are so critical because you need to hear from them. You need to use your active listening and and talk to them about it. And maybe you get a different perspective or you were honed in on one thing and there's a reason they were doing that. Maybe they were told to by someone else that's a different leader, you know, that said, hey, you need to go do this and you didn't even know about it. So I think that engaging dialogue, listening, um, leading with the facts that you've seen, your observations, that all helps in getting to getting them to where you want them to go. Your experience in coaching supervisors or leaders, managers to have that difficult conversation, the thing, the thing that they were dreading and then the reality of it after the fact. So now they have the conversation and they come back to you and they report what, what kind of feedback are you given? I'm curious how many people went in thinking that it was going to go one way and it didn't go that way at all. You know, it went vastly better perhaps maybe it didn't. Yeah. I it, I would probably say it's 50-50, but let me tell you why. Because it, this, any kind of communication, as you know, is a skill. You have to learn it. You have to practice it. And you really need feedback on how to make that better. So I think these conversations that are had, uh, it all depends on the skill level of that person. Um, what they've learned, coaching maybe we've given in HR to help them. I've often had them invite us and they want us to be there. And I said, well, if you want HR there, the first thing the employee's gonna think when they walk in the room with HR present is they're getting fired. So be sure you, you tell them the why immediately. Hey, I just want HR here. They've got some great practical guidance on something we're gonna be talking about because we, we really have seen something in you, but we wanna help you get better. And, and, you know, be honest and candid. I am not the best communicator, so I want them to help us in this dialogue for you and for me. And all of a sudden you're transparent and um, vulnerable a little bit. And they realize, well, if they're willing to have them help us and have just told me they are not the best at this, then I, you know, it's, it helps both of them. And that breaks down the wall immediately. But it's 50-50 only because of the skill level, I think, and, and how often they've had to do this and how well they do it. I'm sure some people don't take the advice and just tell them to, to it's punitive. And those typically don't go well. They're like, well, it went as well as it could under the circumstances. And then they write them up a couple weeks later. Right. So yeah. that's hard behavior to change. Well, and you know, a counterpoint to that, lest anybody think, okay, well, I've, I've got to, I mean, my skill level, so I can't go have this crucial conversation because I, I just, I don't know that I've got yet the communication skills to pull that off to you. I would say this intent in my experience, intent matters way more than the skills. Yes. To Lisa's point, we should be growing. We should be learning. We should be developing these skills, but that doesn't mean that you wait. That's correct. You, you know, still the, have the, it. 
you know, as our kids learn to talk, they're not using complete sentences, but they're still able to communicate. We can still, we can still understand what they're telling us and what they want, what they need, all of that. It just gets a little more sophisticated over time. The same thing is going to happen with you. And I think, I think it's worth having a bit of a conversation about the intent. If the person knows that your intentions are their best, which I guess is a really easy way to summarize safety. Yep. That matters way more than I've got to get the words just right. Yeah. Because we're humans and we can sense, we can sense, we know when the person across from us really cares about us. We know when they don't give a, you know what about us. That's right. And so, you know, it's interesting because I always tell people on that note, when you're having a crucial conversation, I tell them, put a sticky in front of you. People won't know the difference and put three bullets of, of things you want to be sure that are important to you. And it could be communicating, uh, trust, you know, communicating, whatever it is, put your three bullets of reach their goals invest in them, you know, whatever that is. And you can just glance at it while you're having them. They don't know the difference because people look around when you're talking all the time. Now don't look down and read from it, right? Right? But just have it big enough where you can reference it so you don't get off off track, that Mm -hmm. you make sure these points, because sometimes people get worked up just they're nervous. They, I, you know, people have told me they've gotten sick to their stomach. They, they didn't sleep the night before. That's how much these hard conversations are genuinely hard for people. I mean, some people just don't like confrontation. Um, you and I, we're not afraid of it. <laughs> You're right. But there's many that that's, it is genuinely hard for them. They would just much rather somebody else do it or just not do it at all and hope it gets better. I grew up, and of course, I was born in Oklahoma, but I, I, I for the most part, grew up in Louisiana. Um, and Oklahoma, you know, Indian Territory, um, lot of, a lot of Native American culture. And I didn't know if the story was true, but you hear the story about buffalo and thunderstorms. And buffalo, a thunderstorm comes up, and cattle, well, they, they run away from it. They sense the thunderstorms coming and they run in the opposite direction. Well, they run in the direction that the thunderstorm is moving and Buffalo don't do that. Or so I had grown up hearing, you know, these stories, they run into the storm. So the question, okay, well, who's in the storm, the longest, the animal that's running through the storm, going in the opposite direction, the animal that's running with the storm. Well, it's really, I mean, a a kid can figure out, well, the Buffalo is going to be in the storm much less time, but they know they're, they're headed into a storm. Well, who does that? Okay. Well, turns out that's a true story. Turns out Buffalo do do that. And cattle do do that as well. They go in the opposite (laughs) direction. I don't know why, but for me, it became this metaphor of hiding because we all are capable of it. You use the illustration of cleaning the house. You know, we hide from the things that we really don't want to do. We all do this. That's you can right. call it procrastination. You can call it, but let's just call it what it really is. You're hiding. You're hiding from something that you know you need to do. This thunderstorm that's coming up, this cloud that is on your horizon, you can either be a buffalo or you can be cattle. 
And I'm just going to encourage everybody, be a buffalo. Be a buffalo. You know, face it. Go into it. You don't have to go into it with a contentious spirit because in... Just be bold. Well, in every case that we're talking about, we're talking about leadership, but we're also talking about formal leadership because these kinds of conversations are going to happen because you've got some supervisory authority over this person, right? right? I mean, yes, there could be some, there could be some one-offs that aren't that way, but I think that's contextually what's happening here. We've got an employee, they report to us. We are responsible uh, for their performance, their conduct, their work. And so that's not, that's formal leadership Mm -hmm. as well as informal. And so we, we owe them something you can hide, but the damage that you do to yourself, the prolonged agony that you endure because you're cattle and you're running with the storm and the beating that you continue to endure because you put this off and you put this off and you put this off in many, many cases, that's way worse than just enduring the the storm to begin with. The storm normally is not nearly as bad in my experience and in the leaders that I've served, it's not nearly as bad as the agony of dreading it. Yeah, and you know, not only that, I think people often, again, you're you're focusing on self. I want to avoid this. This is painful for me and it's going to be painful for them. Instead, think about the benefit you can have by serving them. Leadership is about serving. You are serving them. You are helping them correct something that you are seeing that will make them better. And also we fail to see what are we doing for that team member? Not only are you making them better, but maybe you're teaching them how to lead in that moment. They may not see it until later, but you are showing them and demonstrating good and great leadership, what it should look like. Secondly, people fail to realize your team is watching. If this is something that they are doing that is impacting the team, the team is also not only watching you to see what you're going to do. Now, they may not know about it at times, right? If it's corrective and you do it privately as it should be done, they may not know unless that person talks to another team member themselves. But demonstrating good leadership is is something that you should do not only for yourself but for the team and the teammates and you should be that consistent leader for everybody they should know in you know my case or your case lisa's going to handle it or randy's going to handle it or have confidence without even knowing it because when they know that you're handling things they're also you've established the trust and you've established the safety that we've talked about they can also come to you not only for guidance on how to handle it, but you can teach it and then they can see it and they start acting the same way you are. So you are growing that, you know, it's our whole premise, right? Grow great. You are growing them to be great leaders, uh, great contributors. You are leaving a legacy behind you of what great leadership should look like and they will likely pass it on. Now, will it be 100% in every case? No. But if you're consistently doing this and you're being honest and you're being forthright, you are not only benefiting you and getting that anxiety over with, 
for their benefit, but you're helping that team member and you're helping your team as a whole. And that rolls up, then your department's stronger, the city's stronger, the service is better. I mean, it just compounds itself in fruitful activity, right? I mean, that's just, people fail. They keep thinking it's me and you, me and you. Well, it's much bigger than me and you. Yeah, yeah. All right, well, let's give our audience before we uh, dismount. Let's see if we can distill or summarize, give some concrete stuff that you can do today. Right now, you're listening to us, you're watching us, and you're thinking, man, here's a conversation I should have had with somebody a long, long time ago. I'll kick it off and say, number one, don't, don't try to make up. The fact that, that you've blown it up to this point, let, just let that go. Just let that go, and it's like, so clean slate. What do we do now? Yeah, now, <laughs> what are you, now what are you gonna do? You know, now what are you gonna do? So what kind of concrete things have you got? Now, clearly we don't know where people are at, but let's assume that people are listening to us and they're avoiding, they're hiding, they're being cattle, they're not being buffalo. We want them to be buffalo. We want them to go ahead and be bold and, and do this. So what suggestions have you got? The first thing I would do is when there's anything that you need to correct, uh, again, not punitive, correct, you just need to set time and get it done. You need to just handle it. It's always better to get it off the plate than leave it lingering because that the, there are much better chances if you let it linger, you're not going to do it. You're going to see they've improved. You're going to think the timing is now bad, whatever. So when you see it, correct it, have the conversation. Be sure it's safe and be genuine. I mean, that's the best I can tell people is just say, this is what I've, this is what I've seen. I know what you're trying to achieve. Here's, here's what I'd like you to focus on and here's why, what are your thoughts on that? And, and engage, it should not be a one-way conversation. It should be dialogue um, and you know, you need to find basically kind of mutual purpose. You need, to, you need to know what they're trying to achieve and what you're trying to achieve and hopefully find some common ground as you dialogue with them so it's relatable, right? The time, yeah, the t and the timeliness thing I think can't be overstressed. Right. Uh, we, we've all, you're in a relationship and we all understand what fair fighting looks like. And we all understand what unfair fighting looks like. And one of the first things that people will tend to mention when they, if they're talking about a spouse or anybody else and a contentious thing happens and the per the other person they deem as fighting unfair. And one of the first things that people will mention in that context is dragging things up that are old right it's like you know you know a year ago you did this and it really hacked me off or it really hurt my feelings and we're sitting here thinking a year ago <laughs> a year ago you know i mean what so you've been holding on to this you've been harboring this you've been you know mulling this over for a year right don't think that employees are not going to think the same thing yeah. You know, there, there's a, those of us that have, have house broken dogs. The only way to house break a dog is you cannot let this dog out of your sight. If that dog is out of the crate in the house, you cannot let this dog out of your sight. You've got to catch that dog in the act of relieving itself on your carpets. Um, and whether it's saying no 
and we're not talking about beating. We're not talking about getting a rolled up newspaper. We're not talking about rubbing the dog's nose in it, but you've got to catch the dog in the act and then perform that corrective behavior. For me, it was then taking the dog outside and instead of issuing some command that just sounded awful, (laughs) I, I, my phrase was always hurry up. Yeah, that's what we use. I would tell our our dogs, you know, hurry up and the dog begins to associate that okay well i I let the dog roam free all through the house all day long and then at the end of the day i'm going to do the correction won't work no won't work (laughs) they're like wait a second that was from like four years ago sir yeah (laughs) they don't know time (laughs) exactly and and our people that's the exact same way that's right so it's it's not fair to them to prolong this yeah and I'm not saying that you shouldn't give it some thoughtful consideration. My personal objective was, unless it was something that required investigation, right, to the point where I need evidence. Uh, and we've talked a little bit about that. But for instance, I found out that a leader, or I got apprised that a leader might be behaving in an unethical way, taking advantage of position in the company. Well, I didn't know this. An outsider had reported this. I didn't go and immediately handle that. Right. I had some investigation that I needed to do. That investigation took about three or four days. Now armed with the facts, I had, I had the conversation. Right. Um, which was clearly punitive by the way. Right. Yeah. (laughs) And and I think there was nothing corrective about it. It was, here's a box, get your stuff. These people are going to escort you out of the building kind of stuff because now I'm armed with facts and we've got behavior that is not only immoral, but illegal. And I think that leads to, to a critical point is, you know, we've talked about corrective versus punitive. There is a time for, for both of those. Correct. In an appropriate time. And you, you only you will know when that is. Occasionally, you will get to the punitive only. Like you said, in that case, that is severe enough that it breaches a critical company policy that is, is conduct, um, immoral, unethical. Those rise to a different level than I think what we're talking about here. Exactly. Right? You need to handle those. And, and I don't want our audience to believe there is not an appropriate time for punitive because I think there is but I would also encourage you there are times even during punitive conversations that you can still instill trust and you can say you know I really believe this is unfortunate we've gotten to this point but I really believe in you but this the ball is in your court now this is what you must improve I really would prefer not to have another one of these conversations again and that this is successful for you and me because we really want you on this team but we cannot keep going down this path. You can still communicate the why, and it can still be a healthy conversation. It doesn't, there's occasion, you know, that I know that it is um, confrontational, and we aren't gonna be able to stop those together. No matter how respectful we are as leaders, there are times when the other person is not at all, and they're not accepting, but that is on them. Don't feed into that. There's times when you need to end the conversation and say, you know what? I think it's best that you go home for the rest of the day and come back and, and, we'll and in your experience, this in, the morning. In, the, in your experience, are those exceptional? Because in my experience, those are extremely those are rare. exceptional. 
very rare. This is the only time I've used that when it's a really good person that is hot about something and they cannot come off the ledge right then. Yeah, right. And I just, I just end the conversation. You need to know when to do that. Um, but I end the conversation, send them home, tell them to cool down and you are not to report back to work. You report to my office in the morning and we'll right. either continue the conversation. And there's times I've told, I've had a hard conversation and I've said, tomorrow you're going to have one of two letters. You're going to have one that's exiting the building or one that's committing to change. Those are the only two options you have at this point. And I've told them that. Right. Um, and they know the seriousness. And then I kind of say, this is what that looks like. But this is not going to continue any other way. So don't come in with a different argument. Right. You know, but that's so rare in my 26 years, mm -hmm. probably three times. Yeah, mine too. You know, so, but there are moments you have to do that. And you probably want guidance from HR if you're, just you, you, at sometimes you're gonna have to take a leap of faith and do what you think is best and then call them, call your HR team and say, Hey, this is what I've done. And they can help you, uh, shift, you know, right. to figure out how to handle that in your organization or what that looks like. But, uh, but those are kind of the, the main things as we're talking about this for the audience to end it, you know, make sure it's safe. Uh, like I said, um, we always talk about curiosity. Be sure you're asking questions to make sure you understand the situation as you believe you do. Um, to make sure you're heading down the right path. And then always, if you can, tell them the why and then give them steps and ask them, can they, what do they see they can do to help improve this for themselves? So it focuses back on them, not you directing them on what to do. Because then it, you know, telling them, you can tell them what you need, but how are they going to do it is what's really critical. Yep. So my, parting, my, my, part, my parting shot would be, to to act and and don't hide be a buffalo don't run from it because you want your team to be a no excuse team i don't know of a single leader that takes pride in the fact that they have a group of people who are constantly filled with excuses none of us none of us want to no. lead an organization like i've that. had that before not good <laughs> No, it's painful. And, and so you don't want to lead that way. You don't want right. to lead with cowardice. You don't want to lead with excuse making. So it's yeah. got to begin with you. So the more that you make excuses for why you're not going to have this difficult conversation, the worse it's going to get because that's your leadership. That's right. And the thing that you owe this person is you owe them the opportunity to be in a room with you where they have no more excuses. There's nowhere for them to hide. They have got to accept responsibility for their behavior, for their performance. And now what? That's and right. to know that, that you're in this together. And my parting, my final parting shot would be, it's one thing for us to help people paint themselves into a corner, which is how I describe my coaching work. And I think that's largely what goes on here with leaders. If we can help this person paint themselves into a corner, where there's no more excuses and they're looking in the mirror and they see their behavior, they see their performance, and now they have to own it. It doesn't mean that they will, but it means that we give them the best opportunity to completely own it. Take responsibility for your life. This is your life. This is nobody else's life. And you can do what you want. And I'm telling you, here's what you need to do. Here's how you need to go about doing it so that you can succeed here. Because my commitment to you as a leader is to help you succeed here. Yep. And you may not want to do that. And that's fine. 
that's your choice. You can opt in, you can opt out. You can do anything you want. But now they're in the corner. I have learned through experience, we got to let them out. We've got to let them out. You hear people talk about, well, you know, I'm in the, I'm in, I'm in the boss's doghouse. Bosses do have dog houses and sometimes we get put in them. The good bosses, the really good bosses, we know why we're in the doghouse. They've put us there because we deserve to be there. But a good boss, but we don't have to stay there. A good boss doesn't keep us there. A good boss lets us out and expresses some confidence in us. They know you can do better, which is why they're even having the conversation to begin with. And there's this expression of confidence and faith in your skill and your ability and your potential and your growth, whatever. Um, and personally, I just don't ever want to end one of those conversations without that, that that's the, that's for me, that's the ending point. The ending point isn't, I drug you in here. We had this difficult conversation. The ending is I want them to put their hand on the doorknob as they leave my office feeling like I got this. I got this and I know he's got my back and he's going to help me. Yeah. My parting shot adds on to that. The best, the best ending I have found to these conversations is follow up. Um, I always encourage my leaders after they've had a crucial conversation. First, I check with them and say, how did it go? How did it go? Is there anything you would have done different? Was there anything challenging? So as we're teaching our lead, not just when I say my leaders, leaders in our organization or leaders on my team, either one. How did it go? So I show interest not only in them, but their success because it encourages them to continue having these. And then it's a coaching opportunity that I can also help support them if it didn't go well without judgment. I can say, okay, talk me through what that sounded like. And they're like, well, it went this. And then they got up and they raised it. And I said, okay, next time, if that happens again, here's here's some things that you might consider. So they feel supported, one. Secondly, I encourage them, give it about a week, go back and check on that person privacy, privately and say, hey, we had this conversation last week and I know it was tough. It was tough for me. I'm sure it was tough for you. How are you doing? Have you tried to apply anything we've talked about? Is there anything I can help you with um, that's, to make it easier, what have you tried? How are you feeling? Um, this isn't a cry session with HR being all touchy feely that I'm telling you to do. This is genuine compassion for their success. You, if you're truly interested in them, go check on them. How are they doing? What have they applied? And and how can you help them get where they need to be? And it just shows interest. That is the most successful. Um, ways to keep your teammates that you've had these conversations with engaged. So with that, like you said, Randy, I think it wraps it up beautifully. Be the Buffalo, not the cow. Yeah, I agree. (laughs) Growgrade.com. That's the website. We want your feedback. I just want to make one last appeal here for today. I'll make it again next week. Uh, Send us your emails. There's a contact form over at the website super easy to find growgreat.com uh in the contact form is also lisa's email address and my email address if you want to just send us something but both of us will see the contact form uh we're getting some good suggestions on topics on topics we're getting we're getting good feedback um hopefully we're resonating with you but you're a big part of this conversation whether you know it or not or whether you recognize it or not so we really we solicit your uh your input and share it 
yeah. share it with other leaders, not just HR, not just, you know, we're getting city managers adding on, we're getting attorneys starting to listen in, we're getting police and fire personnel starting to listen. So please share it with your leadership team in city government, and hopefully we can reach their organizations. Um, you know, so this, we're just trying to help, not to self-promote us, but to truly help city city government leadership, which is what this is all about. Thanks for watching and listening to Grow Great, a city government leadership podcast. For Lisa Norris, I'm Randy Cantrell. Be well, do good, grow great. The website is growgreat.com.